Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of January 28th, 2021, including Microsoft increases subscription costs for Xbox Live Gold, and then doesn't, 343 announces monthly Halo Infinite updates, we got our first look at Resident Evil Village, and more. Excuse me if it takes a minute to get into the podcast groove this week. I started off this week's episode with a crap load of technical difficulties. My bunch of my technology stuff is acting up right now, so just bear with me. We're going with a little bit of a rough setup this week, but that's okay. We will eventually start talking about comments and things will get back into the natural order of things. Also, my microphone, I think, is starting to break, so I don't think there will be any audio issues. I think I have it working for now, but it might be time to, to think about replacing the microphone, maybe upgrading to something decent. I'm just using a generic Shure SM58 stage microphone from back in my old high school rock band days, but might be time to start thinking about an upgrade. You see, my girlfriend brought home a cat on Monday and was just like, hey, I know you're really allergic to cats. Here's a cat, which is actually a good thing because it's actually a really good thing because she's wanted a cat forever and this little thing's adorable. So the reason I bring that up is because she's apparently the one who knocked over my setup and got my mic all screwy so maybe that's why it's broken or breaking i don't know but uh it's all worth it because we have this tiny little baby kitty running around the house now her name is lavender that's what my girlfriend named her i prefer to call her lala for short i think it's cuter and she's about one years old and she's super scared of us right now and she's hiding right now underneath the desk that i normally record the show sitting at so i'm sitting here in front of my tiny little surface pro screen because my monitor's acting up like a dumb bitch and underneath me is a little shy kitty that's just staring at me watching me talk to absolutely no one while i uh, sit here in my boxers recording another episode of xbox on so i just want to let you know our first live audience member for xbox on is indeed my little kitty lala she's very adorable she's also just terrified of everything right now but that's okay because yesterday she ate food in front of me which made me think that she's starting to slowly get comfortable around me so there we go anyway with all that out of the way i want to start off this week's episode with a public service announcement this is hot off the presses mr sarugi wanted to notify us all of something very important that i think there's a lot of wisdom to be to be gathered from from these words so listen up and listen well he says stop the presses jersey mics have closed all of their australian stores before i even had the chance to try it it is but a sad day folks don't wait until it's too late to try the restaurant down the road that you keep seeing and thinking you'll get there one day because one day it'll be too late. Sarugi, those are some very wise words, and I just want the audience to really take that to heart because I think everyone in life has an example of a restaurant or store, mostly restaurant, you know, where they lived close by it or they passed by it every day on like a work commute or a school commute or something like that and thought to themselves, one day I got to check that spot out only for one day that restaurant to no longer be there. So very, very wise words. And I just got to say, how the hell did Jersey Mike's close all their Australian stores. What the fuck were they thinking? Who do I have to blame for this? Is this Jersey Mike's who fucked up coming to Australia? Or did Australia fuck up accepting and embracing Jersey Mike's into their land? So first of all, I'm very deeply sorry to learn about the loss of Jersey Mike's in your homeland. And I hope that 
One day you're able to board a plane and fly over to these United States of America where you will hopefully get your hands on a Jersey Mike sandwich because not to, you know, rub salt in your open wound here, but Jersey Mike sandwiches are phenomenal. And I know, obviously, we've talked about them on the show, but I'm not I'm not going to try to soften the blow and say, you know, Sarugi, I'm sure there's other great food where you are and you're not missing much because that's just not true. You are you are missing something by not having had Jersey Mike's, but nonetheless, I'm sure there are some fantastic sandwich shops in Australia, but clearly Jersey Mike's is no longer one of them. So everyone just think about that for a minute, internalize that, do what you will. But thank you, Sarugi, for those words of wisdom. Uh, Now on to the rest of the show. All right, let's kick off this week's episode with some comments. We've got a pretty good balance. You know, two weeks ago, it was heavy news, light on the comments. Then last week, it was heavy on the comments, light on the news. And now this week, it is a fair bit of both. So let's try not to, I feel like I say this all the time. You know, I say this at least once every three episodes where I'm like, let's try to get through the comments relatively quickly. And then an hour and 20 minutes later, I'm like, and now time for the news. So let's let's actually try to get through the comments in a relatively decent, you know, time. You know, I say relative to how we normally do that, how we normally, how we how long it normally takes to get through these comments. Anyway, first comment here comes from Havoc. If I keep doing that shit, I'm never going to get through these comments. Havoc is our first commenter who says, What up? First time commenting, but I have been listening to your podcast for a while now, and I thoroughly enjoy it. I listen every Friday on the way to work. I'm a giant Halo fan, and I respect your opinion on Halo, but I do not feel the same. 343 has made Halo into a game I cannot get behind or enjoy. Hopefully, a Halo Infinite comes back to its roots. I played Halo Reach, but after that, I couldn't anymore. It was too much like Call of Duty, and Call of Duty was too much like Halo. Keep it up and I'll be listening next week. Well, Havoc, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you taking the time to comment in. But again, I, I, I say this all the time in regards to Halo. You are entitled to your own opinion. You know, you, I respect that. If you're if you're a, a Bungie but not a 343 fan, that's totally fine. It's totally fair. I think regardless of whether or not you want to argue the quality of 343's games, I think what you can't, what you can't argue against is that 343 games obviously are very distinctively different from Bungie games. So it makes sense that some people are just naturally not going to like the changes that come with uh with with 343's you know approach to the franchise i'm sorry guys i'm getting so distracted the little kitty is coming out from the desk right now and she's she's eating this little plate of wet food that we set out for her right next to the desk and it is just so cute i cannot it is so adorable sorry let's get back to the, <laughs> let's get back to the show but with that said i just want you to know if you don't agree with what i think about 343's halo you're just simply wrong but no but all joking aside the real thing i i can't understand is how you think call of duty is more like halo and halo is more like call of duty okay especially the whole call of duty is more like halo i have no clue what you're talking about there I, I, Call of Duty, I don't see any DNA between Call of Duty and Halo. I, I've never for once in my life thought, wow, you know, Call of Duty sure is taking a lot of pages from the Halo book. So I'm not trying to criticize, I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on you for saying that, but I would, like, if that is seriously a stance you have and an opinion you take, I would love to, I would love to hear you elaborate on that and explain to me why it is you think Call of Duty is becoming more and more like Halo because I just I would just love to hear that. I assume you're talking about the advanced mobility with wall running and double jumping and stuff. That's not like Halo. I just I just want to make you make it clear. You, obviously in Halo you don't run on walls or double jump. You have flow to your jump, but like please tell me what you mean by that. As for Halo becoming more like Call of Duty, I know that was a common criticism, especially of Halo Four in the multiplayer department. Which sure, if you want to argue that, you can. But especially with Halo Five, I, I don't personally think Halo really takes too much from the Call of Duty book. I think people just get a little hung up over being able to sprint and aim down sights, which, of course, I don't really necessarily agree with. I mean, those are just first-person shooter staples, but that one I can understand, you know, your opinion or your take on a little more, but I just 
how the hell is Call of Duty becoming more like Halo? Please, Havoc, please put this aching question to rest. Tell me why it is you believe that Halo or that Call of Duty has become more like Halo. And, and with that, I thank you for writing in and look forward to your response, uh, your prompt your prompt response now arctic chief who by the way is banned comes in and says hopefully this makes the cut before you record the show but have you done or considered doing community game nights so my first thought is why would you want an xbox on community game night is it because you want to discover how i'm really actually quite bad at halo and i just talk about this franchise all the time but i play like like a like a 35 year old playing a video game for the first time no but i mean have i ever done it no have i ever thought about doing it not not like at a serious level no i'm i'm kind of what you'd consider like a social recluse i don't i don't know i find it very odd meeting people like i like talking to people and having to actually interact with people that's why i love this show so much is because i get to talk to you and you get to talk to me in a very controlled and limited situation i like having all the power you see and so while you might think you have some power on the show by being able to write in with your comments and your questions just know i'm the one who's reading your words so i can twist them and interpret them however i'd like but if we do a community game night and you guys are given access to like a chat or you're in a party and we're talking then you have all the autonomy to represent yourself as fairly and honestly as possible and i don't know how i feel about that so no there's there's no plans for a community game night and then and then you know the last reason is because quite honestly i'm i'm not sure xbox on has garnered enough of like enough interest even from its current listenership that we'd be able to like actually fill in a lobby if we did a community like if we did like a halo master chief collection like halo 3 game night for xbox on listeners i don't even know if we'd be able to fill up a a team slayer lobby to be quite honest with you so that's another thing we gotta we gotta wait until we have a, a a number of listeners that is just like so so extremely high that it's like statistically impossible that we wouldn't be able to fill out an entire lobby you know i i would hate to put the call out there and be like hey guys uh this friday night we're all gonna play halo 3 so let's let's join this let's do this disc i don't even know how you guys do that because remember i'm 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 very out of touch with things even kids my age know um, so I don't know if that's a Discord thing or if that's a Reddit thing or if it's an Xbox Live thing, but like I wouldn't even I wouldn't even feel confident that we could get enough people to fill out the lobby. So I just I just don't even I don't think that's an option right now. I do appreciate you putting it out there. If you you if you or others feel like that's something that should be done, then please vocalize. But for for now, I'm I'm too afraid to meet you guys. So no. That's not something I'm actively thinking of. Now, RKCC Ruser says, Sorry to speak blasphemy. I don't really like the taste of normal Mountain Dew. I really love Voltage, Code Red, and Whiteout, though. I live in the Midwest, and I'm pretty sure I've seen Whiteout in stores. I will have to double-check. Keep up the great podcasts. Really enjoy it. Also, don't listen to the haters who talk poorly about whether you curse or not. Thanks for that kindness. Uh, Surugi, please ban this man for saying he doesn't like the taste of normal Mountain Dew. Please get him out of here uh, promptly and and swiftly, uh, and I will give you until I'm done sipping on my Mountain Dew Zero Sugar that I'm actually currently drinking as I record the show. Seriously, though, RKCC, like, what do you mean you don't like the taste of, of normal Mountain Dew? Does that mean, like, you got COVID and you still don't have your sense of taste back or does that mean like every time you were a child and you take a sip of Mountain Dew like a, a loved one or a parental figure would physically abuse you until you learn to associate the taste of Mountain Dew with with physical abuse and neglect or like what what happened here that you don't like the taste of normal Mountain Dew I want to know listen 
can we start a GoFundMe to to get RKCC some emotional support, some some uh, mental help where they can figure out their past and, and and decide what it is you know that made you the the spiteful human being that you are. I mean, yeah, of course, Voltage and Code Red and Whiteout are great. They're they're phenomenal, but you don't like classic do. That's like saying that's like saying I really hate. Uh, Halo's uh, Halo Combat Evolved, but oh, Halo Two and Three, fantastic games, love them. Can't get enough of them. It's like, what, what are you, what are you talking about, man? Ah, well, anyway, so you, you're gonna have to atone for that sin as well. We got a lot of sinners here at the top of the show. Now, Mister Miggy, hopefully, can bring some levity to this otherwise grim episode we've been experiencing. You say, so when your podcast becomes bigger than Joe Rogan's, how will you go about reading all the comments? I see I'm not the only one that struggles to eat better, especially after listening to this podcast. Exercising is the easy part, but avoiding the local small businesses like TGI Fridays is damn near impossible. So that's a great comment, Mr. Miggy. Thank you for helping turn things around. First of all, when my show becomes bigger than Joe Rogan's, which by the way, we're very close to accomplishing, how will I go about reading all the comments? Simple. I'll make you fucking listen to four hours of comments before we get to the news. And if you got a problem with that, too fucking bad, because I'm going to be such a big Xbox podcaster that I'm going to drive all the other Xbox podcasts out of business. And so you're just going to have to sit there. And you know what? My influence will be so strong that I will be able to to uh, lobby to uh, podcast other podcast services and have them remove the ability to fast forward and skip uh, so that you have no option but to listen to all the comments. So that's what's going to happen when I'm big and strong like Joe Rogan. So get used to it. Enjoy the comments now and uh, deal with it. So that's that's part number one. Now, as for eating and everything, yeah, I, I agree, actually. I It's actually been really hard for me to exercise since COVID started because... I actually like exercising a lot and I like just being physical and outside and shit. So like, I mean, it's one of the things I love about the theme parks is it's, it's a great excuse to like go out for the day and get 15, 20, 25,000 steps in a day, just hanging out around Epcot or whatever. So that's, that's something I love. I like working out. Like I, I genuinely love it. I know it can be hard if it's been a while, but once you get into the routine of like, you know, running on, and when I say working out, I mean like running on the treadmill and doing some light, some light, like chest and arm workouts. I'm not talking about like, pumping serious iron and getting swole like I'm not I've never been that guy but like I I definitely enjoy going to the gym and and exercising I find once you get into the routine of it you know you listen to a podcast or some good music you do your exercise once you get into that routine it it, routine it's one of those things that is a really nice uh release from like just the day-to-day stress so I do I do agree with you there but it's actually been really hard for me to exercise lately because unless it is a situation where like I'm going to the theme park I don't want to go to the gym because right now all I have access to living in this tiny apartment is my apartment community has a small little gym, but I don't really want to use it because it's like, it's really small and I don't want to share it with a bunch of strangers who aren't wearing masks and who get all sweaty and touch these machines. It just feels like a little, I don't know what it is about my stupid psyche that I'm just like, yeah, I could go to a theme park with tens of thousands of people right now. And as long as I'm wearing a mask, I'll feel safe, you know? But I can't go into this tiny gym with, like, three other people or else, you know, COVID. Uh, so I don't really – you know, I'm, I'm not trying to rationalize it. I'm just trying to say it's how I am. So I just haven't felt comfortable using my local gym, and therefore I've completely gotten out of the habit of using it. But I have tried to offset that with just going on more walks around the neighborhood. I agree with you. Yeah, it's, 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 it's nice to just, like, get in the habit of, like, doing some push-ups every morning and going for a walk and – I love just tracking my steps on my uh, on my smartwatch and just trying to hit 10,000 every day at minimum. So I agree with that, but 
it really is challenging when it's like, okay, I got my steps, I did my push-ups, I did my jog, I did whatever it is I have to do, exercise complete, no big deal, right? You know, it can be done, it can be done. But it is those moments when you're driving, you know, you're stuck in traffic and, and you see the local businesses starving for your financial support, the TGI Fridays or the Chili's and the Outback Steakhouses saying, help us, help us, we, we need you. Um, and that is really hard, especially when, you know, they're spending their last dollars on those advertisements to try and entice you to come in and try the new rainbow cake, which I had, or to try the new loaded potato-y french fry cheesy queso burger, which I had. You know, it's you got to support these businesses, but at the same time, it's also hurting your wallet and your health. And I agree, that is the hardest part of dieting. It's 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 the amount of food you eat and the types of food you eat. That's the by far the hardest part. Exercising is easily the... Uh, the better part of the experience. Anyway, that's this is an example of why I'm taking too long. Let's 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 get through this a little faster. Now, a lot of you guys apparently really give a shit about Star Wars because the Star Wars conversation is just not dying down. So Strictly Gaming says, I haven't commented in a while, but I still listen every week while working. It gets me through part of my shift. But had to comment when you started talking about Star Wars because I'm a huge fan. Personally, from my opinions, I enjoy all the Star Wars movies, but my favorite has to be the Han Solo film. Definitely an underrated movie. Even my son uh, is named after a Star Wars character, but my question for you is you seem to play uh, a fair few games, and I was just wondering on uh, what your gamer score is, and are you an achievement hunter? I have 176,560 gamer score. Keep up the brilliant podcast, really enjoying them. So, I don't even know what to say about this Strictly Gaming. First of all, you're talking about your love for Star Wars, which is great, which is fine. I even like that you're so bold as to say Solo was your favorite Star Wars movie because I don't take any issue with that. I think Solo was a fucking awesome movie and I think is a perfect example of one of those things where like not a lot of people actually saw this movie, but the popular conversation around it was like, oh, we should hate this. It'll be really cool if we all have the exact same thought and we all do the exact same thing. And if anyone has a different opinion, then we will oust you like a fucking communist. So... I, I agree with you. Solo was a really good movie, and people are really fucking stupid for constantly shitting on it, especially considering most of those people probably didn't watch it or just denied themselves the ability to enjoy it because they're too busy trying to fall in line with the, the, the major narrative, if you will. But I don't understand how that, you know, loving Star Wars, loving Solo, leads to the observation that I, pay, I only play a fair few games. Who the hell do you... Strictly Gaming, where do you come off thinking I only play... A fair listen, other listeners. If you agree with this, if you take, if you think I don't play a lot of games or I don't play a, a wealth, a variety of games, feel free to defend strictly gaming here. But I firmly disagree with this statement, strictly gaming, because yes, I'll give you this. The past month or two, I've been really stuck in this little Call of Duty rut, unable to really get out and play much else. But I definitely think I play a fair bit of games. Are there other gamers who play? A, a wider variety of games absolutely more games in a year absolutely no it's hard for me I, I'm a very busy man I'm, I'm, I'm a very important man you know Wednesday what used to be one of my nights off to play video games and, and you know what I do every Wednesday I stay up till 2 a.m recording and editing and getting this show ready for you so excuse me if I'm not playing a bigger variety of games because I'm too busy trying to slave away for this free entertainment I create for you but you know I, that's the sacrifice you make when when you love your audience when you love your listeners I just didn't know that you didn't appreciate that strictly gaming and you want to criticize me and say I'm not a real gamer and god damn it I haven't 
I have a fucking Razer phone, so clearly I'm a gamer because my phone lights up in different colors. I even have I even have a fucking uh, Elite. No, I don't have an Elite controller. I have a Turtle Beach headset. Does that count? Doesn't that mean anything to you? I have an Xbox Game Pass subscription. My Xbox Live account shows you how many years I've been subscribed to Xbox Live Gold because I'm such a dedicated gamer. And you come out here and just say I play a fair few games. What? What do you mean? Dude, I like wait till we get to what I've been playing. I've been playing like five games this week, you jerk. But uh, as for achievements, strictly gaming, I used to be like, I think a lot of people have this response, but in the 360 days, I was much more of an achievement hunter, especially when I was like in middle school and high school where I was just poor and I didn't have money and I never had, you know, like money and access to other games. So it was just this kind of thing of like, hey, Left 4 Dead is like my game. So I might as well get all the achievements and play the shit out of it, you know? Whereas now it's like I'm older, I have disposable income, but I have less money. The typical whole thing, like as age goes up, you know, disposable income goes up, but free time goes down. So now it's this thing of like, I play more games, but I get fewer achievements. So I get a lot of gamer score. I think everyone just generally gets a lot of gamer score nowadays because Game Pass, you just try so many games and you get all those like easy to grab early achievements. So yeah, my gamer score is, it's in the upper 50,000. It's like, I think I'm at 56, 57,000 right now. I'm not really proud of that. I really wish my gamer score was closer to like 75,000 by now. Because I just feel like for how long I've been playing Xbox, I should have much more gamer score. But I, I still love achievements. Even though I don't always go like like gung-ho achievement hunting, um, I still really love achievements. I still like pay attention to them and look over them. And you may recall I'm obsessed with not having odd gamer score, which we'll get into in a little bit. So I definitely still focus on achievements and look at them and pay attention to them and think about them. But I'm not a... 100% every game kind of guy. Every now and then I'll come across a game where like I want to get all the achievements, but it's not too common. Actually, this past weekend, speaking of Call of Duty, I was working on getting all the zombie achievements on Black Ops Cold War, so I was achievement hunting a little bit this weekend, but that's not that's not something I do regularly these days. But thank you for writing in about that. Arctic Chief, who is banned as a reminder, uh, says, I'm sure this will extend my ban, but I had to talk Star Wars. I love the Star Wars universe. I, gr I grew up with it. And uh, I've enjoyed and I've had an immediate attachment to Vader from the beginning. I do enjoy all of the movies, some more than others, of course. But my opinion on episode eight is that is mixed. I thought it was a great movie like you. I enjoyed the effects, the story, the movie standards. As a Star Wars movie, though, I thought it was a cop out. They basically retconned the previous two movies and seemed like they were making the story as they were filming. Yeah, it definitely feels like they were making it up as they went along. Palpatine coming back. Meh. Knights of Ren, though. Knights of Ren through the Knights of Ren through the film. Great. Except the lit except they literally did nothing. The whole Finn and Ray not romance thing. That was actually uh, Finn being force sensitive the whole time. That would have been awesome. Uh, Storm Stormtrooper turned Jedi. I tried finding out. I tried finding Whiteout in my area. Unfortunately, I wasn't successful. Uh, sorry about that. No, don't be sorry. I appreciate you looking, little man. And then you say, well, at least I tried for two days to oblige by the ban hammer. I do appreciate you adhering to that. Listen, Arctic Chief. I'm always going to read your, chief, your your comments, even if you are banned. It's it's Sarugi you got to watch out for. He'll go ahead and do to you what he did to Jersey Mike's and make sure you, you you're never seen in the uh, the great nation of Australia ever again. So please do be careful and be safe because although I love Sarugi and I, I love and enjoy when he comments, uh, I I can't I can't tell you that he's a, he's a trustworthy safe man. He's he's been known to do some shit. So. Definitely watch out for Sarugi. Make sure you do adhere to the to the rules of the ban. Um, but with that said, man, I, I agree. That is really the, the worst thing about, about Episode 9, Episode 8, whatever the fuck it's called. The Rise of Skywalker. It really is just a total cop-out movie. It's just... 
it's like ignoring parts one and two and making a new trilogy on the fly. It's, it's just it's just really uninspired and really creatively just throwing everything at a wall and seeing what sticks. I think the biggest, you know, I, I'm tired of talking about the Star Wars movies here because I, I'm sure not everyone wants to hear it, but I feel like the biggest miss still, you know, now that we look back on this, this new trilogy being wrapped up, I, I think Force Awakens is pretty great. I think Last Jedi is fantastic. I don't know why people hate on it so much, and I really don't give a shit about Rise of Skywalker. I thought it was a massive disappointment. But that being said, even though I still really like two of the three movies, I got to be honest, the biggest ball drop in all of this new Star Wars franchise, or this new Star Wars trilogy, in my opinion, still to this day, is the misusage of Finn. Because let's be honest, even though like I love Kylo Ren, I think Kylo Ren's a fucking awesome character, Finn is the Finn was the biggest ball drop in this whole this whole sequel trilogy because he's the coolest fucking character. Like this whole idea of like a stormtrooper gone rogue, and then they just don't use it. Like that just makes no sense to me. If 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 Lucasfilm just had the fucking balls to stop trying to tell a story about a Jedi and a master and betrayal and the Jedi and the sticks and the glow sticks, the fucking fucking Star Wars just being an analogy for raves with goddamn glow sticks flying in the air. If they would just stop that for two goddamn seconds and try to tell a different story in the Star Wars universe, I think you could have had an incredibly awesome trilogy about a stormtrooper who turned rogue, who went to the who went to the rebellion because he he had the the consciousness. He knew he had the remorse for, you know, his affiliation with, with the first order. I think that would have been the coolest fucking story ever. Make Finn the protagonist, make that the focal point of the story. But instead it just kind of, it just devolves into more of the glow sticks, more of the, Oh, you like this guy? Let me put this guy in the movie. Oh, you, you like when they do this thing? Oh, let's put that in the movie. Ah, oh, here's all the characters you like. Here's all the things you expect. Here's all the droids. So we can sell you lots of toys at Disneyland. It's like, dude, just, Make a fucking cool original Star Wars movie. And, that, and to me, that's the biggest letdown of the new movies. Uh, that's why I liked The Last Jedi was because even though it is just another movie about the people who can make things fly with glow sticks, at least, at least with that movie, they tried to break the formula and tell a unique story. And I love the whole thing about the, the dark and the light being kind of antiquated and kind of stupid and kind of cartoony and how it's all about the gray area and how people are inherently good and evil and flawed and all these things. And the Jedi can be in anyone. It's not just this elite group of special people. I thought all that was really cool. It added a lot of complexity and layering to the story that the franchise clearly fucking lacked sorely. And, uh, yeah, man, I, as someone who's like a really, really like casual Star Wars fan, I have really passionate feelings about the way Disney handled this this uh, trilogy because it's just like, how did you not see that Finn was the coolest character here and that you totally botched it? And by the third movie, Finn's irrelevant. You can remove Finn from Last Jedi or from uh, Rise of Skywalker rather. All right, you can you can remove Finn from Last Sky from Last Jedi. Sorry, you can basically remove Finn from episodes eight and nine altogether, and you can still make it work without him. That's how much they fucking botched that character, and that's uh, really unfortunate because he's really really great in episode seven. Anyway, we're almost done with the Star Wars ship. My brother says I like all nine Star Wars movies, so I'm the fourth type of person, I guess. The sequel trilogy is the weakest part of the franchise, though. Rogue One and Solo are amazing, by the way. That's eh, a respectable take. But I came back because this this devolves into something which ends in lethal migraine, so hold on tight, guys. I say, I mean, the sequel trilogy was objectively a better-made set of films than the prequels, but at least Lucas had the conviction to stick to his story, unlike Disney with the new movies. My brother responds to that one by saying, 
You literally ripped those movies apart. The prequels work together to tell a sloppy story. The sequels can't even pull that off. Star Wars is a fantastic series that I love, but most of these movies are sloppy. Prequels are way better than the sequels. Uh, I said, I mean, the sequel trilogy was objectively a better made set of films than the prequels. Oh, wait, I already said that. Uh, And then I said, your butt is way better than the sequels, uh, which I thought was a good retort. And then Lethal Migraine caps it off by going, just fucking trashing the whole thing and going, four, five, six, and nine were great. The rest of the movies have been hot trash. Nothing is better than The Mandalorian. So Lethal Migraine, you're saying, you know, four, five, and six were great. I'm sure most people would agree with that. Fine, whatever. Classic Star Wars. We get it. We're all apparently born in 1960 and we love and we love the old Star Wars movies. Whatever. But here say saying here, four, five, and six and nine were great. So let's let's just forget the episodes one, two, and three for a second. You think episode nine is great. And episode seven is hot trash. Let's leave out eight, because I know Last Jedi is so divisive. But you think Rise of Skywalker is great, and and The Force Awakens is hot trash. You see Lethal Migraine. I tried to not be the elitist asshole hipster trash bag I used to always be growing up, where I was like, my opinions are awesome. Fuck you. Fuck your opinions. But when you say things like that, Lethal Migraine, it's like, what what do you want? Are you, are you begging to be shoved into a locker? Do you want me to pick you up and push you into a fucking locker with, with a take like that? Like I said, I'm not even a big Star Wars fan. I'm a very casual Star Wars fan. And even I'm just irked by you saying Rise of Skywalker is a great movie and The Force Awakens is hot trash. I just want to let that marinate for a while, okay? Forget about episode one, two, and three. Forget about episode eight. Just think about that. You're saying The Force Awakens is hot trash. I just, I just don't even know how to take that, man. I... Whatever, but uh, I haven't watched Mandalorian. I just can't find the energy to give a shit about it, but I'm glad you like it, and I'm sure it is great because it seems like everyone likes it, so I'm, I'm sure that is not such a hot take, and I, I am glad you find enjoyment in that, but wow, seven is trash, nine is great. Just let that sink in for a minute. Now, let's get into the rest of the comments. Uh, no more Star Wars for the for this week, guys. Nip it in the butt with Star Wars, guys. If you want to talk sci-fi, this is an Xbox podcast. Let's, uh, t- tell me about Halo. Wes says, bro, eat your normal diet, but only half. This way you can cut your calories in half and make two meals out of it. Burn fat and save money. My boss does this once a year to lose 20 pounds every time. Also, Star Wars episodes eight and nine are cheeks, uh, but nothing is as bad as episode two. Cringe. Yeah, that's that's actually basically what I'm doing, Wes, is I'm, I'm basically just eating whatever the fuck I want, but watching how many calories I take. So the more shit food I eat, the less food I can eat in a day. The more healthy I eat, the more food I can eat in a day. So it's like, do you want to go hungry but enjoy food? Or do you want to have a balanced assortment of meals throughout the day and not be so hungry but eat shitty, boring food? And so, you know, today was the boring food. I had brown rice, so fuck me. But, you know, uh, this weekend I'm just going to starve myself all day Saturday and then go ham on some fucking dominoes or something like that. I haven't decided yet. But I, I do love that recommendation, and I have been mostly trying to follow that. So great news. Joe Murphy says, so I went down the road to Burger King because our McDonald's in town is closed due to remodeling. On that note, I went on that note, I went to Burger King and they told me that they were out of beef patties, so I couldn't get hamburgers. So we all had nuggets and fries. I tried the calorie counting thing for two weeks. I said, fuck it to myself after loving Taco Bell so much. I had to order seven different items and I ate them all. Can't forget the large ass Mountain Dew that went with it. Never played any Call of Duty games ever. One day I'll get to them. There's just too many good games. Okay, Joe, I've I've had the thing happen where I've gone to a Taco Bell, like where I've just been like in just a weird random ass part of town, 
and I just go to Taco Bell, and they're just like, uh, yeah, we don't got any beef. Actually, this is a really weird call out. So I'm from I'm from roughly Atlanta, Georgia, and I expect absolutely no one listening to this podcast will know what I'm talking about because the odds that anyone else here really knows the ins and outs of the metro Atlanta area, uh, the, the odds that any of you are familiar with that is slim to none. So let me just say this so that it can be even more obscure. I am from a part of Georgia that's about 30 minutes away from what I'm about to say. But if you're ever in Duluth, Georgia, on Pleasant Hill Road, which is like the area that's like kind of famous for being like the Korean-Vietnamese part of town where all the awesome like Korean and Vietnamese restaurants are and everything. There's a Taco Bell in that in that town, in that part of town, that is, again, it's like 35 minutes from where I grew up in the wrong direction of anywhere I went to school or worked at. So there's really no reason why I should be very familiar with this area. But I've somehow, in all my 20-something years living in Georgia before I moved to Florida, come across this one-off odd Taco Bell that, again, is nowhere near a school I went to, a place I worked at, a girl I dated's house, a friend I was I, I knew's house, like no relevance to this location. But I somehow ended up at that Taco Bell drive-thru like three times at like 2 a.m. I don't fucking know how. Probably had to pass like six Taco Bells to get to this Taco Bell from where I lived. So I don't know how, but I just have way too many memories of showing up at this random Taco Bell, like one in the morning, two in the morning, whatever it was you know, high school or whatever. And then just being like, yo, we're all out of beef. Just like, what the fuck? How the fuck is Taco Bell just out of beef? Like, what does that even mean? Like, and, and the reason why I'm saying this is because your comment here just like blows my mind. I'm like, how do you go to Burger King? And they're just like, yeah, we're out of burgers. That's actually worse than Taco Bell being out of tacos. Cause you can make a chicken taco, you know, you can make a fish taco, even though Taco Bell doesn't have fish. You can make a shredded chicken taco. Fine. You can still be Taco Bell without the beef. You're just gimped. But you can't be Burger King without a burger. You can't be like, here's a chicken sandwich. I guess it's still a burger. When people say chicken sandwiches or turkey burgers or whatever, it makes me fucking mad because, no, the only thing that's a burger is either uh, a beef burger or I guess if it, because we got to be more inclusive these days, I guess an impossible burger or a veggie burger or whatever. But you're out of beef patties and your name is Burger King. Just shut it down. Fucking Gordon Ramsay style. Shut it down. Like, you can't operate at that point. What is happening here? I'm glad that you guys made the most of a bad situation and had nuggets and fries. But being that I'm an American, I recommend you get your friends together and you storm the goddamn Burger King. You tear it down. You bust on in there. You you tout your flag around. You get into the manager's office and start going through their mail. This is what you do when the Burger King says, yeah, we don't have beef patties. Like, tell me how that's acceptable. So... That's fucked. Now, aside from that, I really do love that if you're going to break a diet, you break it for Taco Bell. I think that is the appropriate restaurant to break a diet for. So mad respect there, Joe. And then you've never played a Call of Duty game. Well, that's all right. You know, I think there are way more offensive franchises to have never been a part of. But if you're going to jump in, I think, you know, Call of Duty is a franchise where, like, I always talk about how, like, World at War or Black Ops 1 from, like, 10 years ago are the best Call of Duties ever made. And, yes, I do believe that. But Call of Duty is one of those franchises where it's, like, the best way to get involved is probably to play the latest one. You know, I'm not going to go tell you to play Forza Horizon 1 instead of Forza Horizon, you know, 4, you know? So with that said, I, I'm going to be honest. If you have any interest in getting in Call of Duty, getting into Call of Duty, I think now's a great time because, in my opinion, Black Ops Cold War is the best Call of Duty they've made in probably, like, eight years, ten years, probably since Black Ops 2. So 
I think, you know, maybe wait for a sale, but getting Black Ops Cold War and running through that nice five, six hour campaign, I think is a great way. I think Black Ops Cold War is probably one of the best ways to get acclimated and, and, and familiar with Call of Duty because I think Black Ops Cold War has such a killer campaign. I also love the multiplayer suite a lot and I enjoy the zombies. Not the best, but the zombies are pretty good. So I think, you know, if you have interest, I think now's a great time because the latest Call of Duty, I think, is actually a pretty solid injury. But yeah, you, there's never played Call of Duty. I think there are bigger, there are bigger offenses, you know? It's like, it's not like you said you never played Mario or Halo or something, so whatever. Adam Zeso comes in and says, hey, cool that you answered. There is something about what you say about Nintendo Switch and so on. I really like Breath of the Wild, but I consider Link's Awakening, the original version for the first Game Boy, to be an absolute masterpiece. It's a classic for me like Pokemon Red and Blue. Good times. Next week's my next week is my 31st birthday. What would you recommend for McDonald's for such a special occasion? I already have a wife and a child, so it's hard to find strength for games in the evening, and so many uh, and so many premieres are ahead of me. P.S. Counting calories is shit, but healthy food tastes like even bigger shit. What to do? Greetings. Oh, also, what about Chupa Ch Chupa Chup Soda? Yummy. P.S. 1,500 whatever. Do you like Oddworld? It's something from a high-quality group. PS5 is getting the new Soulstorm game. Watch the trailers. Okay, this is a little, uh, lo lots of chopped up information here, but I do appreciate you writing in, Adam Zeso, so we'll kind of go through that real quick if we can. Uh, Link's Awakening, I'll be honest, I like Zelda a lot. I've never played Link's Awakening, so I gotta own up to that, but I do love a lot of older Zelda games, uh, Link to the Past and so on. Um, so I, I agree with you. Those old school Zelda games are very, very phenomenal games. And, you know, I, a lot of people say Breath of the Wild kind of takes them back to some of the classic Zelda games. Personally, for me, I don't see it, but I'm, I'm who am I to take that away from you? That's that's really cool if you can feel that callback. And I, I, I respect that. Um, I, I don't hate Breath of the Wild. I just I just don't love it. It's, I hate more how overrated it is than I hate the game. You know, my beef is less so with the game and more so with, like, games media constantly sucking it off. You know, that's... So no disrespect to you and your love of Breath of the Wild. That's that's aimed more towards at the the big guys who just can't can't stop praising Nintendo. But, yeah, I mean, I totally get you. There's some Nintendo games that are just instant classics. Like you mentioned, Pokemon Red and Blue. For me, you know, games like Mario Galaxy is, is one of those, like, Nintendo games where I'm like, can do no wrong... Mario Galaxy is such a fucking masterpiece. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And then happy birthday. You know, you said next week's your birthday. So happy 31st to you. If you're going to celebrate your birthday at McDonald's, which is a phenomenal idea, I recommend you get a quarter pounder, not a double quarter pounder, just a regular quarter pounder with no ketchup because I know you don't worship the devil and no mustard. You can get the mustard. I like mustard, but not always on a McDonald's burger, but definitely no ketchup. Definitely make sure it has that cheese and uh, go ahead and stick yourself a little candle in that burger and uh, light it up and, and blow it out and wish, make yourself a happy birthday wish. Maybe wish that you had a second uh, quarter pounder or something like that to go with it. But I think the quarter pounder is the ultimate birthday sandwich. Let me know what you guys think if you have maybe a different suggestion. I know McDonald's does sell cookies and pies, so maybe you think a sweet would be more appropriate. But I'm going to go with the quarter pounder because, God damn it, that's what I love. But, yeah, thanks thanks for writing in. As for Oddworld, no, man. I have an older brother who really loves the Oddworld series. It's never clicked with me. I've always just found it a little creepy, and I know that's kind of part of its appeal. But I personally just can't get into Oddworld. But I'm glad you're looking forward to Soulstorm. It is coming to PS5, so I hope you're planning on getting a PS5 if you want to play it. But... I'm sure it'll be a great entry. I believe it's supposed to be like a remake of the second game. I'm not quite sure about that, though. Now, Lethal Migrating comes in to just add some negativity to our, our parade, just totally rain on it. 
Lethal Migraine, please, please, please just say something nice. Uh, Cod Ghosts was a fun campaign. All right, Lethal Migraine, please go back to being negative. Please don't say that ever again. Why the hell are you saying, oh, oh, oh God, Lethal Migraine, I asked you to be positive and this is what I get. Uh, careful what you wish for, no. Uh, but joking aside, you say Cod Ghost was a fun campaign. Problem is, campaign ended on a cliffhanger and we never got a conclusion. I want a fucking conclusion. Now, Lethal Migraine, I don't actually hate Ghost. I know Ghost is like the most hated Call of Duty. I never played it. I can't speak to it. But my brother and my nephew both claim that Call of Duty Ghosts had a great campaign and that it's kind of like what I was saying earlier about Han Solo, the the Solo movie, where it's like one of those things where it's like everyone just collectively decided that it's cool to hate on this thing. So it never got a fair shake, but the campaign's actually really good. Again, I never played it, so I can't speak to that, but you're not alone. So I'm sorry. It just And also just to break your heart, you're never getting that. I, I know you probably know this, but you're never getting a sequel to Ghosts because it's like one of the most hated Call of Duties of all time. And Infinity Ward is finding a lot of success right now with Warzone and Modern Warfare Reboot. So you're not getting a ghost too. Sorry. Sorry to burst your bubble. And then you also say, Lethal Migraine, that Friday was nice because after work, you said, you said after work, I contacted the mayor about a racist bar that was too full. Screw those douchebags. Then I drove 45 minutes to get a four-piece chicken strip order at Raising Cane's. Then cut across another Twin Cities suburbs with a Raising Cane's. And was still super hungry, so ordered another six. Sometimes you just need to feast. 2.5 hours of driving to chicken, two chicken strips meals later, both obviously with a Dr. Pepper. I was full and tired and had a good night's rest. Now, Lethal Migraine, I'm sorry that the first part of your night, night totally sucked ass, but I love that idea of like road tripping kind of close to home just to go to a couple of the same, like a couple locations of the same chain restaurant. Like, I don't know, like, maybe that's something I should do one night is, like, hit up the Taco Bell near my home and then, like, drive 30 minutes away to a different Taco Bell and order something there and then hit up, like, a third Taco Bell and just, like, kind of tour the Taco Bells of Central Florida and then, you know, after a couple hours on the road doing all that, uh, come back home and just pass out. That, that actually sounds kind of fun in a weird way, but interesting story. Now, we wrap up with our favorite commenters, of course, my favorite children. Uh, sorry if you guys don't make the cut, but fuck you. Just kidding. Uh, Count Scott says, speaking of useless Disney knowledge, I really enjoy Disneyland, but it really rubs all wrong when people act like Disney World is just a clone. You can fit all of Disneyland in Magic Kingdom's parking lot and still park an additional 500 cars. You can fit all of Disneyland into the entirety of Disney World 51 times. Disneyland has plenty of charm and magic, but let's not all pretend like they're the same thing. You've probably heard these or similar facts before, but I always love those stats. Also, I actually went and pulled my Halo 3 and Halo Reach data, and it was very interesting. I also learned I was not as good at Halo 3 as I always thought I was, and I took so many not-so-cool screenshots. I'm sure my game clips were terrible too, but the feature is totally down already. That's funny. I, I meant to get my stats, but I never did, so I kind of lament the fact that I never did that, but that's really cool that you did. Yeah, and, and to the Disney thing, just because, listen, Count Skyla, if you want to guarantee, I, I know you don't, you probably don't actually give a shit, but if you want to guarantee being right on this show every time, write about Disney, because I have, like, no one in my fucking life I can talk to about my love of theme parks. It's like, my one great regret is it's like this thing I love just as much as video games, and I just have no one to share it with, so... Talk about theme parks, specifically Disney, all you want. I'll always read you on the air, so I definitely appreciate that comment, and yeah... 
one of the things that drives me crazy, I ch and I try to, you know, I try to keep in, in check, like, being a theme park fan is one of the more ob obscure fandoms, you know, relative to, like, if you tell someone, like, I'm a movie buff, I love watching uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson in that, uh, in that rock hard movie starring Sigourney Weaver, directed by Neil Patrick Harris, oh man, what's that, uh, uh, Raisin Cane's Chicken Farm, oh, what a great movie, you know? I'll be like, oh, cool. I'm glad you love movies. You know, I'm I, movies are fine. Obviously, everyone watches movies, but I, I don't consider myself a movie buff. I don't understand the allure of like being obsessed with movies. But that's that's a pretty normal hobby. If you tell someone like I'm a film buff, someone's gonna look at you and be like, oh, cool. Did you ever see this movie? I love this movie. And it's a very easy way to connect with people and 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 um, relate and build relationships. But theme parks are one of those things where it's like I'm a theme park fan, and people are like, what the fuck does that mean? I, it almost feels like, like to some people, it's like telling someone like your hobby is like going to Disney theme parks is like one degree off from saying I like to hang out with strange children at Chuck E. Cheese, where it's like people look at you like you're like borderline a fucking pedophile or something, where it's like, you know, those places are for kids, right? It's like, no, nah, man, like the, I'm pretty sure they'll let you in if you're like 40. It's like not that weird. So I, I agree. I, one, of, one of my biggest pet peeves with Disney is like, it's these weird stigmas that, like, Disney's for younger people or for families or, like, why do people who live in Florida make the trek out to California and vice versa for the opposite parks when Disneyland and Disney World are the same thing? They both have a castle, so clearly the same thing. I think that's actually kind of castle racist, to be honest with you, because it's, like, saying, like, Disneyland, oh, Disneyland and Magic Kingdom, aren't they the same thing? They both have the castle and the small world. That's kind of like just saying, like, all this type of person look the same. It's like, okay, just because they both have castles and Space Mountain and, and Fantasyland and all that shit doesn't suddenly mean they're the exact same thing, okay? They're very nuanced differences. I, I agree, and I think any any Disney fan who has any experience with this kind of stuff will also agree with you. It's like, if you've been to Disneyland and Disney World, you just know they're absolutely nothing alike they're so incredibly different you know it's, it's hard for me i have such a big soft spot for magic kingdom because obviously i grew up with disney world not disneyland but even though i love magic kingdom and it is such a special place in my heart i'll always prefer disneyland park over disney or over magic kingdom because let's face it disneyland's a far superior park and a and way less of a bitch to get in and operate around and enjoy so I agree with you. They're very different and they're both awesome in their own way, but I'll never understand that whole, I mean, it's, 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 it's like one of those ignorance things. It's like people who've never used an Android phone and they just see a phone that's not an iPhone and they're just like, oh man, is that a Samsung? You're just, you know, you're sitting there with your fucking Google Pixel 5 or your Sony Xperia or your, um, whatever it is, your Nokia and someone's just like, oh, that's a Samsung? I know who makes this. Yeah, it's a Samsung. Aren't those made by, like, Microsoft or something? Apparently, they're all rednecks, the people who like iPhone. Um, but they're just like, oh, man, that's a... I, I'm. Oh, wow, that's stupid. That's a bad phone, right? Doesn't that one explode? That one's supposed to... Ex I, I love how, like, one time a Samsung phone exploded because a battery pack swel swelled up or something like that. And now everyone's just like, oh, it's not an iPhone? Oh, that's one of those Samsung phones. Don't those Aren't those supposed to explode almost as if it's, like, a feature? I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. But, yeah... I, I, I think I don't even think this has anything to do with theme parks. I think what I'm just getting at is I really hate when people just have like no knowledge on someone else's fandom or interests. And that's fine if it's not your thing. But what's so annoying to me is when people just like harp on like the one factoid or like the one like just thing that everyone says. And they're just like they think they're actually like adding something to the conversation by repeating the thing everyone says in regards to that one topic. You know, it's like I don't know anything about theme parks. 
but you say like Disney, isn't Disneyland the the big one in California? Isn't that is, is that different from the Florida one? It's like, dude, just shut up. Like if you don't know, you just shut up. I don't want to hear it. It's so annoying. Ah, you got you got an Android phone. Isn't that the one that blows up? It's like, dude, just just it's cool. You like your iPhone? Just just shut the fuck up. So it's hard for us. It's hard for us that are really cool. You know, us guys that walk around with our Android phones, going to Disney World. We just we're cool. We know things other people don't know. You know, you see a guy with a, a iPhone that it's just a regular thirty-seven year old person who just likes to go to the bar and likes to go to the movie theaters and works a normal job. That guy's just not cool. He's just not in the know because he doesn't know what we know. And what we know is that you need to support local restaurants like TGI Fridays and Jersey Mike's before they all go out of business. I, th- I think this is like the newest low for just me actually not rant. Usually when I'm ranting, it's like I'm I'm aware that like I'm talking and I understand what I'm saying, but no one else understands what I'm saying. But this time, I don't even know what I'm saying. So uh, I, I don't even hope you're still listening because that would just mean you're fucking delusional. Uh, Dead Captain James comes in and says, you asked about my childhood trauma and, and why I like horror games so much. Long story short, my birth mother was a terrible human being and parent and parent. I was watching terrifying horror movies from age two on. I remember watching Nightmare on Elm Street until I couldn't take it anymore. I... <laughs> I remember watching Nightmare on Elm Street until I couldn't take it anymore, and then I would eject the VHS uh, tape and stick Winnie the Pooh in until I reset my scary level and then swap back to the horror VHS. Dead Captain James, you are a badass two-year-old if you could do that, because when I was a kid, not only was I just so easily afraid of everything, I was afraid of super irrational stuff, and it would take like an endless amount of distractions to get my mind reset and, and, and taken off that. Like, dude, when I was a kid, if I saw something scary, I would have to like put on like a different TV show and fall asleep with the TV on in a nightlight and just like trying really hard not to think of anything else and sucking my fucking thumb like a child because I was a scared bitch. So the fact that you could handle nightmare on Elm Street by yourself, nightmare on Elm Street by yourself and then just like reset with Winnie the Pooh and then jump back to the scary shit. That means not only are you a glutton for just f- shitting your pants and, and, and scaring yourself and punishing yourself, but you're also just a badass two-year-old because I don't know if I would have been scared by a movie like Nightmare on Elm Street as a child. I was more afraid of like really, really irrational shit like orca whales, but um, I don't know. I just have a lot of respect for someone who can be like, like just a little tiny baby, just like, yeah, I'm going to watch this fucking nightmare on Elm street. But that being said, I, I am sorry about your trauma and, and I hope you're able to find your own peace uh, one day. Now wrapping up the, the, the podcast or wrapping up the comments, my brother says kill zone shadow fall is garbage. Kill zones two and three are great. And shadow fall is just horrible. Yeah. I'm playing kill zone shadow fall. I, I was playing shadow fall. You're right. It is really, really bad. So I, I did stop playing that. I'm just going to, cut my losses. I'm at 17 bucks now. Um, I wish I didn't download it, but that now marks two PS4 exclusives that I've downloaded for 20 bucks ish and said, wow, I wish I didn't buy that with Killzone Shadowfall and Days Gone. Both of those games, you know, shout out to PlayStation. You know, they have some great games. I loved Spider-Man PS4. I loved God of War. I liked Uncharted 4. 
The Last of Us Part Two was pretty disappointing to me, but I enjoyed playing it, and I don't regret buying it or engaging in it. So, you know, PS4 has a pretty solid lineup. There are a lot of games on PS4 I played. MLB The Show, always a great game. But Killzone, Shadowfall, and Days Gone are two games I absolutely regret buying. Yeah, I don't even know what, I'm, what point I'm trying to make there, but fuck you, PlayStation, for wasting $40 between those two games. Although, I think... 20 bucks for each of those games is a pretty fair deal. Anyway, that's going to do it for all of our comments, shoutouts, whatever this week. Remember, for next week, guys, don't be shy. Reply. Now we're going to jump into what I've been playing, but before we can do that, i got to tell you all about what I've been eating. Still dieting, as we've kind of alluded to here, but I'll, I do want to just put in passing. I'm, my new, like, four-year-old fixation of the week thing, you know, every week I'm just, like, fixing on another stupid fucking thing, but this week... I'm really focused on cocktails. I used to be a bartender. I don't even want to talk about this. I used to work in restaurants for so long. I worked in restaurants for nearly a decade. And, and towards my last, my my final months or, or year, rather, of restaurant touring, I, I worked bar for a little bit. And in this rather nice Japanese restaurant, I was really fortunate to work under some pretty skillful and knowledgeable bartenders. Um, not just like bartenders who can make like fun, sweet drinks, but like bartenders who actually like really know a lot about like the craft and the skill and the art of bartending and cocktail making. And it's as fucking arrogant and hipster and fucking conceited as that's, as that may sound. Um, I'm really grateful for that because even though I'm usually the kind of guy who just wants like a sweet blue drink or just a Mountain Dew, you know, fuck alcohol. I really grew, uh, to appreciate and admire kind of the art of bartending and, and crafting cocktails and things like that because I actually really, really enjoyed making cocktails and learning about them and, and serving, you know, drinks to guests and having them enjoy that and, and things like that. So that's actually something I, I'm really, even though, you know, I never want to work in a restaurant again and that was a means to an end during college, like I'm really grateful for my experience and my time as a bartender because that's something, you know, as someone who doesn't pretty much never drinks, I'm a very light almost almost never drinks kind of guy this is this is a kind of interest that I would have otherwise never found about myself so I don't know this week I've just been it's hard for me to like want to spend money on alcohol because it's just so expensive and I just don't enjoy it a lot and I don't ever drink to get drunk like if I ever get like I, I almost never drink but if I do it's like I'll get like moderately buzzed and then cut it off like my thing is like I only drink at home it's like two beers I get a little fuzzy feeling and then I'll watch like Disney plus until I pass out so that's kind of my thing with alcohol, but I, I've been kind of wanting to get back into the cocktail thing a little bit more. And and the classic cocktail I've always really taken a liking to is is the old fashioned, the classic whiskey cocktail. So I went on Amazon. I had some Amazon rewards points for my credit card, and I thought, yeah, twenty five bucks. Let me get some some twenty five dollars worth of rewards points in cocktail like setup stuff. So I got. I got a shaker, I got a stir thing, I got this thing to make nice big round ice balls, uh, and I got these nice whiskey glasses. So I just I just got some basic cocktail gear, if you will, and I'm waiting for like a commission check to come in through work, a little bonus money or something, maybe a tax return. But I'm going to go to a store and I've already picked out what I want to buy, but just some decent middle-of-the-road priced um, bourbon and, and, and some some liqueurs and things like that and then just go home and start experimenting with different recipes and, and versions of the old-fashioned cocktail so I'm looking forward to doing that I've been following this guy on YouTube uh, called how to drink who's actually a really really funny and interesting guy he's like a gamer streamer guy but also like a nerdy hipster bartender guy and uh, I don't know I've been really enjoying watching his videos and taking notes from his recipes and I'm kind of looking to get into doing some of that here at home I think that'd be a fun 
little hobby to keep exploring. And I don't know. I think there's just something there's something just kind of like I don't know. There's there's a part of me that always envies that appeal of like I don't know what the word is, but the kind of renaissance man, the guy who just has like a bunch of like odd skills and just like weird knowledge on things that like most people really don't need knowledge on. Like no one really needs to know how to make a good cocktail. They just buy beer at a grocery store or get a drink when they're at a bar. But I think there's something kind of cool about being like the person who, who's like, Oh, I actually know how to make really good cocktails. So like when you have a friend over, you can be like, instead of just offering them like a beer or something, you can offer to make them like a really nice drink. I think that's, that's kind of a cool thing to have. So I just, I don't know. I want to work on that. And you know, one day if I ever have a guest over at my place that isn't a cat, I can be like, Hey, How'd you like a nice old fashioned? And then they'll probably just be like, yeah, I'll take one of those Mountain Dews instead. And because that's probably the kind of people I associate with. But nonetheless, that's just what I wanted to say about what I've been eating. Although I guess that counts as liquid. Although I guess that counts as neither eating or drinking because I bought whiskey glasses, not whiskey. So whatever. Now, as for what I've been playing, like I said, over the weekend, I worked on getting some achievements on Cold War uh, Zombies. I'm still playing Killzone Mercenary on my PS Vita. I've been working through that. And a little bit of Gears 5 Hive Busters, trying to wrap that up as well. We got a lot of stuff coming out this week with all the Yakuza games coming to Game Pass and the Medium coming out on Friday. So we got a lot of games on the horizon I plan on getting to this weekend. But the main game this week that I'm just head over heels in love with. The thing I want to talk to you about today is Cyber Shadow. Cyber Shadow is a brand new game, came out this week. Um, It's on Game Pass, so you have no excuse for not playing it. And it is a 2D, 8-bit ninja kind of, the way I describe it is like a cross between like Shinobi and Mega Man, or if you're not a Shinobi fan, maybe um, Ninja Gaiden, like NES Ninja Gaiden and and, um, Mega Man. It is, it is uh, developed by a new uh, uh, de- developer named Mechanical uh, Mechanical Head Studios, and it's actually published by Yacht Club Games. And Yacht Club are actually the developer that made Shovel Knight, which is a pretty famous game I'm sure you've heard of by now. So that enough uh, that alone was enough for me to be like, hell yeah, I'll give this a try, you know, whatever. And I fell in love with this game instantly. This game is... It is so rare. You know, I often shit on, you know, when we're doing the game drop of the week, like all the little 8-bit indie games, and I like to poke fun at them. I, I really love games like this. It's just so hard for me to find one that resonates with me because there it's a dime a dozen, you know, just finding like these generic 8-bit indie games. But like, it's rare where you find like a genuinely fantastic game that just so happens to be an 8-bit indie art game, whatever. And Cyber Shadow is one of those really rare examples of just, like, a phenomenal... Like, I'll, I'll go as far as to say, like, and this is kind of blasphemous. I actually, so far, I'm only about, like, 25% through the game. I actually prefer Cyber Shadow to Mega Man or to Shinobi or to Ninja Gaiden, which is exactly the kinds of games it draws its inspiration from. I think it's that great. It's so badass. I love the idea of, like, at the end of every boss battle, you find, like, another one of, like your clan or your tribe or whatever and they're like weak from like the fight or the capture and then they pass and then you inherit like your new abilities and skills from like them dying and and all that it's just like it's like super badass and like over dramatic and just cool and like 80s action whatever but not in like a cliche overused like we love 80s nostalgia way it's just in a like a really unique and genuine and original kind of way. And I just, I, I don't really know how, how else to put it, but Cyber Shadow is so, so good. And it, it, it does that thing, which is so hard for games of this genre to do, where it understands the balance of difficulty, which I don't mean to underplay. Like this is a hard thing to nail. So I don't, 
I don't blame developers for struggling with getting this right in games, but like, dude, Cyber Shadow just nails the whole like it's challenging enough that you you die multiple times in every level, you die many times at every boss fight, but you never die and go, okay, this is fucking broken, this is stupid, throw my controller at the wall, fuck this game. It's always like, okay, I just need to learn the pattern. Okay, I, I can get it next time. Or, okay, I see how I'm supposed to do it now. It's like always, you know, as IGN would say, like tough but fair, you know, like like how they, how I feel like how games media always describes like a, a Dark Souls game. But it's, uh, it really is. It's, it, it's not like Cuphead where I actually want to like murder myself. It's like, it's like hard in a way that I can see myself overcoming this hurdle. It's a little more like difficult to me in the way that like I viewed a game like um, like Celeste, um, where it's like I I'm not discouraged by the difficulty. I'm actually encouraged to keep going and addicted to kind of the difficulty. So really rare that I find a game like this, but I I'm really excited about it. I really want to share it with you. Cyber Shadow, really really phenomenal game. Again, it's on Game Pass. You have no excuse for not giving it a try, other than maybe you don't have time or it's just not your cup of tea, but I don't give a shit. I don't count that as an excuse. So play Cyber Shadow or Get Wrecked. Really phenomenal game. Now, with that said, that's going to do it for all of our pre-show bullshit. Let's jump into the news. All right, only an hour and five minutes in to get to the news. That's about par for the course here. Now, the first story is the big story, and I have no interest in talking about this, but we got to do it. So this is the huge thing that happened kind of like right after or like the day after last week's show went up. But... Yeah, early on, I think it was Friday, Microsoft dropped the bombshell news that they were raising the price of Xbox Live Gold. That, you know, the one month was going up to $10, the three months was going up to, three months was going up to like $45, and the six months was going up to a year. So now, eliminating the 12-month $60 option, now you'd have to buy, now you'd have to pay $120 for a full year of Xbox Live Gold. Basically, forcibly just jacking up the rate of Xbox Live to get people to jump ship over to Game Pass Ultimate. And immediately, this is, and rightfully so, this is one of those moments where the world just kind of came together and collectively shit on Microsoft and was just like, what the fuck? This is absolute bullshit. Fuck you, Xbox. This is the worst deal in gaming. All this goodwill you've been building over the past few years, totally just throwing it in the fucking garbage with a move like this. And in my opinion, all those things totally warranted. I agree this was a super fuckboy move. This was a shitty move. It was an anti-consumer move. I don't deny any of that, but it's one of those things where it's like, I just wasn't in the mood for a bunch of fucking obnoxious fighting and yelling on the internet when I booted up Twitter, you know, on Friday morning. So it was one of those things where I'm just like, oh my God, we're going to have to talk about this on the show, aren't we? But luckily, things got a little better because after, you know, every gaming outlet posted their little editorial on why fuck Xbox now... And after everyone had, you know, shit their pants and even like, you know, recently ex Microsoft or ex Xbox guy, uh, Mikey Barra even like tweeted out about how it was a shitty deal and how it was stupid. And like people were hot about this. And again, rightfully so. But it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, we're going to have to deal with this in-house bitching and moaning forever now, aren't we? But later that night, you let, that very same day, literally that night. Microsoft just reversed it all. Like they came out and they're just like, okay, okay, update, update. And so their update reads, let me just read it to you. They say via Xbox wire, we messed up today and you were right to let us know. Connecting and playing with friends is a vital part of gaming and we fail to meet expectations of players who count on it every day. As a result, we've decided not to charge for Xbox uh, Live Gold pricing. As a result, we've decided not to change Xbox Live Gold pricing. 
we're turning this moment into an opportunity to bring Xbox Live more in line with how we see the player at the center of their experience. For free-to-play games, you will no longer need an Xbox Live Gold membership to play those games on Xbox, which is the bigger news to me. We are working hard to deliver this change as soon as possible in the coming months. If you're an Xbox Live Gold member already, you stay at your current price for renewal. New and existing members can continue to enjoy Xbox Live Gold for the same prices they pay today. In the U.S., it's 10 bucks for one month, 25 for three months, and 40 for six months, and 60 for 12 months. Thank you. I mean, obviously, you know, everyone's go-to was they were doing this because they were trying to get people to jump ship to Game Pass. I, I, I get it. This was obviously a horrible way of going about doing it. And, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. It's, it's inexcusable. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? It's 15 a, mo- 15 a month for a Game Pass Ultimate. But they have all these people who are like, yeah, I don't really need Game Pass Ultimate. I got games with gold. I pay 60 bucks a year. I get, I get Xbox Live Gold. I'm good with that. And they want to start nudging some of those people to, you know, take a look at Game Pass. Are you sure? Just take a look at Game Pass. Are you sure you don't need that? And this is obviously just most certainly not the way to get people to do that. But it certainly drew a lot of attention, you know, negative in this case. And, you know, thankfully they responded immediately and and addressed it and fixed it. But I think the bigger win here is not only are they not changing the price of gold, but they're finally going to catch up, which is crazy. I'm going to say this because usually Sony or Nintendo would be the ones to be, you know, on on this end of of this conversation. But finally they're going to make free-to-play games truly free-to-play on Xbox, meaning... If you're playing a game like Call of Duty Warzone or Fortnite or or something like that, which is a free-to-download game, you no longer need Xbox Live in order to play it. Uh, or they, they haven't implemented it yet, but they're working on implementing it. So now you can buy an Xbox Series S. You know, if you're like, I just need a gaming console to play Fortnite and Roblox with my friends, you know. You can buy an Xbox Series S. You can download these free-to-play games, and you can play your Call of Duty Warzone for free without subscribing to any Xbox service. So that's a huge win for xbox gamers um which is crazy to think how long that's been the case on nintendo and playstation but xbox has just been like nah gotta have that gold bitch so obviously you still need gold to play online games but that's only for games that cost money so you need gold in order to play you know fucking rocket league online and to play minecraft online but not to play fortnite or warzone or anything like that or apex legends so this is a really big win. Yeah, I mean, I just, it's like at this moment, I don't know what to say about the story that hasn't already been said. It, it was one of those things where it was like, the second you read the headline, you just knew this was going to be a massive fucking problem and people were going to talk about it ad nauseum. So it's, it's like, for me, it was like, I just, what can I say that has, you know, when it happened on Friday, I'm like, what can I say in six days on next week's episode that hasn't already been said today with all the outrage? And again, I'm, I'm not saying any of that wasn't unjustified or wasn't justified. Like it was very justified to be upset with Microsoft over this, but it's just hard for me to be like, oh man, guys, here we are six days later and I'm super pissed and I've got a bone to pick. I, I think it's kind of ridiculous that people are constantly saying like, oh, Microsoft should get rid of Xbox Live Gold. They, should, they need to make this free. It's like, no guys, Xbox Live is a service that makes money for Microsoft. Plain and simple, they want it, you know? And services are the things that make companies money. Look at Microsoft. How, where are they making their money today? It's in, like, Office 365 subscriptions for companies and, like, Azure services and subscriptions for companies and things like that. It's like, so what, where do you think Xbox is making its money? It's in Xbox Live Gold and, and things like that. It's like they want you subscribing to their services. What, what do you think Microsoft would rather have? They want you to buy 
Office one and done. They want you to buy a video game on Xbox one and done, or they want you to subscribe to Office. They want you to subscribe to Game Pass. They want you to subscribe to Gold and just keep giving them money every fucking month. That's what they want. These are money makers. So I know people are always just like, rumor, I heard Microsoft's getting rid of Xbox Live. It's like, no, no, man, like it, it makes some money. They're going to keep it. Yes, they want more money. They want you to stop paying for gold for 60 bucks a year and start paying for Game Pass 15 bucks a month because by the time you hit a year of Game Pass, you're going to spend a lot more money than you would have if you just had gold. Obviously, they want that to be the case, but they don't want to force everyone off gold in a way that's going to mean not everyone transfers to game pass you know they want you to go from gold to game pass not from gold to nothing at all so this idea that like microsoft is just going to get rid of gold to me is just so silly because don't get me there's always going to be this market of people who are like yo i don't i don't play uh doom and tell me why i don't I don't need that shit. I don't need Game Pass. I just, I buy an Xbox and I just play Madden and Call of Duty every year. Every year comes around. I don't buy a game January through September, but rest assured, or January through August, but rest assured when that fucking Madden hits in August or September, I buy it. When that Call of Duty hits in October or November, I buy it. And there's there's those kinds of people. And what do you think Microsoft's going to do? Just be like, Good guy, Microsoft, we're getting rid of gold. You're never going to buy Game Pass, but we're just going to get rid of gold. It's like, no, they're going to say, we know there are players like that, so we're always going to have gold so that those players, at least, are still subscribed to something. They're still paying us monthly for some service, even if it's a cheaper service, even if we make less profit off it. I don't know. Whatever the case is, Microsoft wants everyone to be paying a subscription service to something, something. You know, you got people like me, I'm out here, I'm paying for OneDrive, I'm paying for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, I'm paying for Zoom Music Pass if they'd still let me. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm fucking, I'm paying for all the subscriptions, I'm paying for the Office personal account, and and that's what Microsoft wants. They just want to sell you on all these fucking things. Microsoft would rather me fucking use a MacBook instead of my Surface Pro if it means I'm going to subscribe to Game Pass and, and Office for the rest of my life. Because in the long run, they're going to make more money. That's what they want. They want money. They're like fucking shocker. Microsoft's a for-profit company. So I just don't understand this idea that like they're trying to get rid of gold. It's like, no, man, they're just they're just trying to make it objectively the worst value so that you go with the more expensive service. They want you to give Game Pass a try if you're not a believer and say, oh, whatever, you know, gold is so expensive. I might as well just pay the extra buck or two a month and get the one that gives me a bunch of free games. We'll see what happens. And then who knows? You might get hooked on Game Pass. Like that's what they want. So as for how they approach this and they tried to handle it, obviously they did a fucking F minus job. It was, it was awful, just awful. But gladly they reversed this. They, they addressed it. They corrected it wrong. I, I can't imagine why they thought like, in the middle of a fucking pandemic was the time to start hitting people up for more money and pushing them off a service they've been comfortable with for like 15 years. But yes, I mean, this is a very Microsoft thing. It's just like, hey, let's uh, let's make the wrong decision at the wrong time, you know? And I, I don't know what to say. I'm glad this blew up in their faces. I'm glad they corrected it. But uh, I mean, yeah, it was a really fucking stupid move. But I, I think Xbox Live Gold is still here to stay. I really don't think we're looking at a near future where it's just game pass or nothing because they want you to subscribe whether it's whether it's just xbox live gold or game pass they want you to subscribe and yes 
The objective is to get game pa- to get you on the Game Pass Ultimate. And I think what this I don't think this is the last we've seen of this. I think this is attempt one. This is wow, that was a really shitty botched attempt at getting people pushed from Xbox Live to Game Pass Ultimate, but I think they'll try to find a more elegant solution for doing this and they'll continue to try and find ways to suggest to consumers that it's time to get game pass and to fuck off gold so that was a whole thing i don't really know what else to say to it it's like again i'm sure everyone here follows a youtuber a twitter person uh a a media person personnel who just had all the negativity to say in the world and at this point, it's it's kind of like the cyberpunk thing where like the second happened, I was like, I'm very tired of this instantly. I don't want to talk about this, but here we are. I don't get to pick and choose, guys. It's part of being an Xbox podcast host is I don't make the news. I just report it. So I, I'm like that. I do that for you guys. So next up, IGN reports that while Halo Infinite isn't scheduled to be released until fall 2021, developer 343 have committed to monthly updates regarding Master Chief's newest adventure, and the first one is coming later this week. 343 Industries, in fact, it might even be live by the time the show goes up, but 343 Industry employees, uh, SKE, Sketch, Sketchy, Sketch 343, whatever, it's one of those, all the letters in the name, but responded on a Reddit post claiming that it's been a long time since we've gotten any news on Halo Infinite, and he reassured fans that all is under control and much more Infinite news is on the way. Uh, in fact, uh, Sketch343 wrote in his comment, he says, um, has it though, not saying it's a, it's right or a good thing, but considering that we went 12 month stretches of total darkness and our last update was December 8th, I don't think that there's any cause to worry. Keep in mind that many of us around the studio were out of the office for two weeks or more at the end of the year, and then it takes time to get back into the swing of things, etc. Also, we confirmed a fall release window in the update, so now it's clear that we have some runway ahead of some runway ahead of us and some time to go. That said, we're committed to at least monthly high-level updates, and the next Inside Infinite is coming out this week. So, Inside Infinite being what they term as the updates. Uh, this month's update, we're talking with members of the Sandbox team to share some insight into their vision for Halo Infinite and the work that they're doing to manage expectations. Uh, this won't have a a world premiere, big screenshots or huge things like that, or a date to announce. But our goal is to offer the community more context and insight into our team and the games we're making while we are all waiting uh, for this large, for the larger beats and full marketing machine later in the year. So as a diehard Halo fan who cannot get enough Halo and cannot wait for Infinite, this makes me excited. I'm happy about this. I want updates as frequently as possible. I want to just consume Halo Infinite news, more screenshots, more tidbits of information, more sneak peeks. I want all of it. Just give it all to me. This is how I was when Halo 5 came out. This is how I am about Halo in general. It's like, I just want all the fucking Halo inform- information you can possibly give me. Just put it in my fucking face. But I recognize Halo is like my one franchise where I'm just a fucking glutton for it. I just want it all. And I understand that for a lot of people, this isn't how they are. And in fact, there are a lot of franchises where I'm this way, where I don't want to be constantly hit over the head with this. So normally I'd actually say it's kind of nice to be like, hey, we're kind of going dark. We'll show you something when we got something to show. But for a game like Halo 5, especially since it was promised last year and then delayed a full year at the last minute because they really fucked up with the reveal, it kind of warrants a unique situation of having more like frequent updates and things like that but at the same time it's like i'm sure a lot of people don't want this and it's going to be kind of 
Halo Fatigue. That being said, these sound like small and more like nitty-gritty hardcore fan updates. So it's going to be one of those things, I think, where 90% of the people who play Halo Infinite when it comes out this fall aren't going to be people who were following these small little updates on Halo Waypoint. It's going to be, you know, people that just played it because it's on Game Pass or played it because they just knew they wanted to play the new Halo. Um, but for the Halo community, I think these updates are nice because at this point, it's just like, come on, guys, where's the beta? Why haven't we seen more of the game? Like, how do you delay a game a full year this close to launch and you just don't have anything ready? It's like, you know, it's like if this game was apparently originally going to be good to go just two or three months ago, then surely you should have enough of a game put together that you can show us gameplay demos and give us a multiplayer beta and give us more frequent screenshots and big updates. Because again, it's like this game was originally supposed to come out three months ago. Clearly you should have enough of a game to give us more of a tease, but I don't know. I think I could see this being kind of a more annoying than a helpful thing for a lot of people. But for someone like me, for the hardcore fans, I, I'm excited about this. But nonetheless, there's not really much news there other than to say beginning this week, we should start seeing more frequent weekly updates with tidbits of Halo Infinite news. I expect them to be relatively small, small updates, like really like nerdy shit, like what they're talking about, given like developer interviews about the sandbox design. You know, they're not going to show a new gameplay trailer, but still, nonetheless, I'll take it. I'm, I'm excited for it. Next one here is that Capcom held a big Resident Evil live stream la uh, late last week, announcing all sorts of new and exciting news that mostly just matters because they showed Resident Evil Village gameplay. Here's a breakdown from IGN of everything that was announced, revealed, and everything during the show. First of all, Resident Evil Village got a release date and demo details. One of the biggest announcements, uh, Capcom confirmed that Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil Village will be coming to Series X, PC, and, and Xbox One on May 7th, 2021. Additionally, there will be a demo later in the spring for all platforms, but for now, PlayStation 5 owners exclusively can get access to an early, uh, quote, Maiden demo, which is out now and people are playing it. All seven people who are able to actually get a PS5 Thank you, thanks to Scalpers. Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil Village seeks to bring back a lot of Resident Evil's 7 first-person combat and perspective uh, back to the player again. Players will take control of Ethan Winters again from Resident Evil 7, uh, but Capcom is also introducing melee weapons and new things like that into the game. Uh, also announced during the live stream was Resident Evil Reverse, uh, which was which is basically like a second multiplayer free-to-play experience that can be accessed by anyone who purchases my um, Resident Evil Village. Reverse will have a beta test uh, for Resident Evil Ambassador soon, whatever that means. Uh, but be sure to check out some of the initial, but some uh, gameplay reveals and characters and stuff were shown during the show. So I guess, I guess what they're saying is the, the mode from Resident Evil 3 remake really bombed and now they're going to do a free to play kind of, or not free to play, but attached with attached with, with Resident Evil 8. There's going to be another multiplayer, probably one uh, V four type multiplayer experience. I think Resident Evil or Capcom are seeing games like dead by daylight. And they're saying, you know, how are we, you know, the pinnacle of horror games and we don't have something like that. So I think they're looking for their, for their like dead by daylight kind of competitor game. And they're going to just keep hitting that until one of these multiplayer modes sticks. But until that happens, it's just another generic, probably forgotten Resident Evil multiplayer mode that no one's going to care about. You know, the, the one that came out with Resident Evil 3 remake just last spring totally tanked and like no one plays it. So 
they've they've got quite a bit of work to do if they really want to captivate an audience. But nonetheless, I can commend them for trying. Uh, now, also announced Resident Evil and, and Ubisoft's The Division 2 are getting a crossover, weirdly enough. So Ubisoft announced that um, Massive uh, Entertainment, the developer behind The Division 2, is uh, bringing a crossover event that will bring Resident Evil-themed uh, earnable items to The Division 2. Uh, for a limited time, players will be able to log in from February 2nd to 15th to earn a Leon Kennedy um, RPD outfit. So that's a weird, weird crossover. And then finally, they teased more Resident Evil like Netflix shows and movies. Apparently, Netflix is getting a movie sometime in like 2021 of Resident Evil, but also they're getting a TV series. So good for Resident Evil. Again, all the media shit. Obviously, the big one here is Resident Evil 8, the village gameplay. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have to say obviously Xbox gamers can't enjoy the demo right now. Not until it comes out later in the spring for Xbox. But for now, you can watch the videos from the stream, and you can also watch the demo videos from PS5 because it looks like, obviously, the marketing deal here is between Sony and Capcom, so Resident Evil will be pushed as a PlayStation game, although, of course, it's multi-platform. I don't, I don't know what else to say. People are, like, really getting up in arms and all, like, horny and shit over, apparently, this uh, this maiden character, the, the evil, like, Haunted Mansion-looking girl, and I, I don't really understand why this was, like, such a thing, but... Then again, I almost never understand when people like meme stuff or go nuts about things on the internet. So it's like that Bernie Sanders meme that when you shut up for like 48 hours, it's like I don't don't understand how this is funny, but okay, I'm glad you guys are getting enjoyment out of it. So apparently, other than that, it, it looks like more Resident Evil 7. Like the game doesn't look all that different. It's really unfortunate that at this point, Xbox still doesn't have any kind of VR platform because this would be a really nice game to play in VR, but other than that, I really don't have much to say on Resident Evil Village. It's just, I mean, yeah, they finally showed it. They they did not need a big reveal event for something like this. I feel like this is something they could have just dropped on a YouTube video or something, but I guess they think they're hot shit and they decided to do this big reveal, but I don't really have much more to say on it other than if you're anticipating uh, Resident Evil 8, maybe go on YouTube and watch one of these videos, so... There's that, and then next up, IGN uh, reports that Microsoft has posted record profits for this quarter, including a boom in its gaming sector, which is revenue up 51%. The company as a whole has posted a record-breaking $43.1 billion in revenue in the most recent financial earnings report for the period ending in December 31st, 2020. Microsoft shared that revenue increased by 17% to reach $43.1 billion and $15 billion in profit. As per the case for the last several quarters, profits were driven by Microsoft's cloud platform, Azure, but that doesn't mean that there weren't other successes, other successes in the company. Hardware saw the biggest growth thanks to the launch of the Series X and S. Microsoft says that gaming hardware segment grew by 86% thanks to new hardware, though the company hasn't shared exact numbers because... It's probably not doing nearly as well as PS5 and because they can't make enough of them to really sell an impressive amount. Anyway, meanwhile, uh, Microsoft reported that revenue has grown 51% overall in games with Xbox content and services up 40%. The growth has been attributed to third-party titles, Xbox Game Pass subscriptions, and first-party games. According to Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella, during the conference call, Xbox Game Pass now has 18 million subscribers. The number also doesn't take into account that Microsoft's ZeniMax acquisition, which it says it expects to close later in 2021. So, lot to unpack here. First things I really want to focus on is the end there. 
18 million subscribers to Game Pass, which first of all, you know, they said like over the summer at some point, mid late summer that they were at like 10 million. So they're basically getting, you know, they're averaging like over a million new subscribers a month, which is fucking phenomenal. That's that's incredible. So Game Pass, that makes it all the more head scratching that Microsoft did that whole gold stunt last week and tried to get people to push over to Game Pass because it's like, People are already kind of flocking over to Game Pass. Like, just let it run its course, you know? Let people kind of naturally migrate over. I don't understand why they tried to nudge them when, like, what they want to have happen is kind of already happening. And I would say at a pretty successful rate. So, 18 million subscribers to Game Pass. They very well could be at, like, 30 million subscribers on Game Pass by the end of this year. Especially when you consider not only that, you know, they're on track to do about a million a month. And we had 12 months, obviously, in this year so. When you not only take that into consideration, but the fact that 2021 is going to be a huge year for Xbox and the fact that Series X's and S's are going to continue to be produced, so more and more next-gen consoles are going to get into the hands of, of, of people. And then on top of that, they've got Halo Infinite coming out, which is going to be, you know, say what you want about Halo Infinite. It is undoubtedly going to be the biggest game to ever launch into Game Pass, hands down. It is a brand new flagship reimagining next-gen Halo game that is launching for free, day and date, straight into Game Pass. Plus, the multiplayer is free to play. You don't need to have Halo Infinite to play the multiplayer. Plus, now since you don't need Xbox Live Gold to play games online, someone could hypothetically buy an Xbox Series S and be like, I I just want to play Apex Legends and Warzone with my friends. It's a $300 console. It's the cheapest way to get in there. I just want to play these free games for free on my cheap Xbox. I don't need anything else. And then in the fall when Halo Infinite comes out, they're like, okay, I hear a lot of good things about this Halo Infinite multiplayer. It's free. Let me play that. And then they get hooked on that. They're like, wow, shit. Halo Infinite multiplayer is awesome. Fuck it. I'm going to subscribe to Game Pass and play the campaign. And boom, then you got them. Now you got a new subscriber. They bought an Xbox. They got Game Pass. They're playing Halo. Boom. Halo Infinite is going to be a massive bump for Game Pass because there are going to be so many people who go, I want to play that new Halo game. I guess I'm going to download, I guess I'm going to subscribe to Game Pass because what am I going to do? Spend $60, $70 on this new Halo game or just subscribe to this, serv- this service for 15 bucks for the month, have unlimited access to the game as well as a billion other awesome games. So I, I think 2021 is going to be a massive year for Game Pass between more people getting the new console, the trajectory that the service has already been on over the past few years, and then the release of the biggest game pass day and date launch ever to be released for this service the biggest xbox launch quite frankly of the past five to ten years like this is i would argue halo infinite is the most important xbox console exclusive to launch probably since like halo 4 you know probably since like the beginning of the xbox one generation because it came it became very clear at some like early on the xbox one that's like okay microsoft can make money off this thing and it can be successful in its own right but Xbox One is just not going to win. It's just not going to catch up to PlayStation. It's just not going to light the world on fire. So that's not the case with Xbox Series X. There's still an opportunity. I still think PS5 is going to outsell it. But there's still the opportunity for Xbox to make up a shit ton of lost ground with the Xbox Series X and S. And so I, I think games like Halo Infinite are completely, absolutely critical in selling this console and selling this brand and selling this service. So there's a lot riding on this game. And I think it's the biggest deal for game pass so far. Of course, that doesn't take into account 
the ZeniMax acquisition because one day the biggest games for Game Pass will probably be like the new Skyrim, the new Starfield, whatever, whatever um, Fallout. But yeah, that's um really impressive numbers. Also, just seeing numbers in- increase dramatically in hardware hardware sales and software sales. Not surprising, you know, holidays plus people buy hardware around the holidays. People buy games around the holidays. New consoles mean people are going to buy hardware. None of that's really surprising. Um, but the other thing I did find interesting here is that they basically, if you look at the amount of money Microsoft brought in, they made more than enough money to pay off the acquisition of ZeniMax, which just goes to show you how much fucking money Microsoft makes and and just how powerful they can be. If they if they, if they want to buy their way into the console war, if they want to buy their way to success, they can do that. Like, it, it's just fucking crazy, man. Like, I guess that gives some credibility to Lethal Migraine, who's always saying... Shut up, uh, Microsoft, of course, is going to make all these games exclusive because they're Microsoft. They have all the money in the world. They could buy a country and then use it as their dumping ground if they wanted to because they're so awesome. It's like, I mean, yeah. I mean, look at these numbers. It doesn't fucking lie. Like, that purchase of ZeniMax would be impossible for 99.999% of companies. But Microsoft is one of the very few companies off the top of my hand, like, that you can count on, like, one hand, basically that could afford to do this. And if these profits don't show that to be evident, then I don't know what else uh, would. And then let's, uh, let's get into kind of some of our quicker wrap up stories. If you will, Activision has announced that uh, vicarious visions, the developer behind Tony Hawk's pro skater one, two remake and the crash bandicoot insane trilogy is officially merging into blizzard entertainment so for those unfamiliar um blizzard entertainment is owned by activision as of like what 10 15 years ago um and now the developer vicarious visions is being kind of absorbed into blizzard and spun off of the activision side of the company so gamesindustry.biz reports that vicarious visions team of about 200 people will now be employees of blizzard and be fully dedicated to the existing blizzard games and initiatives this means vicarious visions will no longer be creating games as a lead developer they'll be supporting on blizzard development a representative from Vicarious Visions spoke with GamesIndustry.biz and said, quote, after collaborating with Vicarious Visions for some time and developing a great relationship, or this, sorry, a representative from Blizzard said this, um, Blizzard realized that there was an opportunity for Vicarious Visions to provide a long-term support. However, Activision Blizzard did not reveal what the team has slash will be working on going forward. Vicarious Vision studio head Jen O'Neill has been promoted to Blizzard Executive VP of Development and will be part of Blizzard's leadership team and will report directly to Blizzard President J. Allen Brack. Uh, Simon Eberger, Eberger, Ebager, sorry, Eberger, Eberger, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Vicarious Visions, will take over the studio role uh, for o- O'Neill. Vicarious Visions was founded in 1990 and was acquired by Activision in 2005. The studio has worked on everything from Guitar Hero to Spider-Man to Tony Hawk to Crash Bandicoot to Destiny to Skyliners and much, much more. Founding members uh, Karthik Bala and Guha Bala departed the company in 2016 in order to establish Velon Studios, uh, the development team behind Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, of all things. That's a really interesting that I, I didn't know that about the original founders. That's a really interesting little fact there. I don't know. I found this kind of shocking because Vicarious Visions has a massive history working on, like it mentions, you know, some of the best Activision games of all time. Guitar Hero, Spider-Man, Tony Hawk. Those are like some of my favorite games. They also worked as, in support roles uh, on Destiny back when Destiny was in Bungie, were in bed with Activision. Uh, they worked on 
like like as mentioned recently, the Tony Hawk remake and the Crash Bandicoot remake, I really thought that that the success of that Tony Hawk remake meant that Vicarious Visions would be making a brand new Tony Hawk game. But I guess they're doing what they did with the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, where they had one Activision team make the remake, tested the market to see if the market won a new entry in the series, and then had a different developer make a sequel. So Vicarious Visions made the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy port or remake, but Toys for Bob, the guys who make Skylanders, actually made the Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time, the sequel that just came out. So maybe that's what they're doing with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. They're going to, you know, Vicarious Visions did the remake, and now that it sold really well and people have shown that they're really hungry for a good new Tony Hawk game, maybe they'll get a different developer like Beanox or someone to fucking make a from-the-ground-up brand-new sequel Tony Hawk game. I don't know, but I find that really interesting fresh off all the success they've had recently with all these games they've been working on that they're now just being pushed over to Blizzard and absorbed. So I guess Blizzard really needed the help or the the talent, but it's interesting to think that Activision would take that team away from them and all their Activision proper kind of uh, games and efforts and allow for their other division, uh, uh, Blizzard, to kind of take them over and, and, and absorb them. So I find that really weird. I, I think of think of um, think of Blizzard being part of Activision the way that like Bethesda is going to be part of Xbox, where it's like owned by Xbox but kind of operates its own thing in a way. So it's kind of like that. But that's a really interesting story. I'll be curious to see what that means, especially for Tony Hawk, because I am really of the mind that we're going to be getting a new Tony Hawk game or at the very least a new Tony Hawk remake. So now I'm just really curious to see who's going to be developing that next Tony Hawk as a result of this merger. And also well, a little bit sad because I, I like Activision games a lot more than Blizzard games. So I don't know. It's like, I feel like Vicarious Visions is a, a it's just a logo I've seen on so many games I've played throughout my childhood. That's just kind of sad to be like, oh, wow, that's just going to be gone. Like Vicarious Visions is no more. It's just the people are being pushed into Blizzard and that brand's going away and their role on these other games is just going away. It's just a thing of the past. So it's kind of crazy to think about. But um, next up, speaking of Star Wars, a new Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic game is reportedly in the works and it's not being developed by EA and Bioware, the studio behind the studio uh, behind the original game. Rather, as VGC reports in the latest rumor to come courtesy of credited Star Wars insider Bespin Bulletin, uh, who spoke on the recent B.O.B. podcast episode about this project that's said to be in development outside of EA, he says, well, never get, we'll never guess who the studio is that's making the game. Among, among my digging, uh, this is a quote from Bespin Bolton, he says, among my, my digging, I heard there is a Knights of the Old Republic project in development somewhere. I talked to a couple of people, and I also found out that Jason Schreier uh, over at uh, from Kotaku, uh, who's now at um, Bloomberg, said that it's not with EA, and we we will never guess who's making the game. Bloomberg's Jason Schreier previously spoke uh, of a potential Knights of the Old Republic project, both on Reset Era and Twitter, and his words echo Bespin Bolton's comments. Furthermore. Wushu Studios' Nate Nida also took to Reset Era in a response to this to say, quote, it's not as mysterious as you think. It's just not a household name most people are aware of, end quote. So this is a big little tease, a big little mystery. I I, I believe this. There's enough, you know, I don't like Jason Schreier, but he's a credible enough source that if he if he says if he says something like this is happening, he's probably right. So and the fact that we now have a handful of credible sources or 
a very credible source and then, you know, a very credible website reporting on one of their sources about this. At that point, I assume it's true. Now, Knights of the Old Republic, this, this is what confuses me. Bioware not working on it? Not surprising. EA not publishing it? That That's surprising. So how does that work? Like, I suppose Lucasfilm Games has the ability to use whatever kind of Star Wars IP they want, even though like the Battlefront games and the Knights of the Old Republic games are EA games. So that's what's really, that's what's really getting me here. Um, what, what I almost wonder is, you know, you think about it like this, Knights of the Old Republic is a very heavily associated game with the Xbox platform. And Knights of the Old Republic 2 was made by Obsidian. So Xbox owns Obsidian. Xbox needs console exclusives. Having an exclusive Star Wars game would be a really big fucking get. How cool, and it's hard to say is because Obsidian's already stretched so thin, they're working on so much right now, but how fucking cool would it be if Microsoft was funding and publishing a, a, a Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic Xbox PC exclusive sequel developed by Obsidian? Like, that'd be fucking awesome. I mean, maybe in Exile's making it, I don't know. In Exile, we know is working on a big budget AAA RPG game like so maybe in exile is working on it but I, I'm not trying to like stoke the rumor fans here but like I think it's pretty possible that a Microsoft team is is making this um this Knights of the Old Republic game if not Bioware and EA I could be dead wrong you know it's a fucking Ubisoft's making a Star Wars game so it could be anyone maybe it, maybe it's THQ Nordic for all we fucking know I, I don't know maybe you know it's ver- uh uh, maybe it's the guys that make those, um, Darksiders games. I don't, I don't know, but it'd be really, really cool if it were an Xbox owned studio. And let me know what you guys think, what your speculations or insight might be in regards to that, that rumored studio and publisher working on this new Knights of the Old Republic game. Also, that's, that, it just blows my mind. It's like, I, I, I mean, obviously EA doesn't own Star Wars, but the Knights of the Old Republic sub franchise and like the battlefield sub franchise don't those belong to ea in some way like can disney just give those to other people like so that that that's that's kind of got me scratching my head a little bit as well but we'll have to stay tuned to that for more and i'd also love to hear what you guys think what your speculation is on that one now our final story of the week um coming from ign says that ninja gaiden and dead or alive actor uh tomo nubo itagaki has formed a new studio called itagaki games and and he says, quote, it would be an honor for me to work with Microsoft again. Itagaki shared the news via Facebook and revealed that the announcement uh, was supposed to be part of a recent Bloomberg article, but was omitted due to its character limit. He discussed how for the past years since leaving Devil's Third developer Valhalla Game Studios, which he co-founded, he's been teaching game development at younger to younger generations. However, now he feels that he wants to make a game again and just established a company for that purpose. He further explained that while that while Itagaki Games is not part of either Koei Tecmo or Valhalla um, Game Studios, he wouldn't be against working with Microsoft again. I know Microsoft is still aggressive, Itagaki says. If they reach out to me, it'll be an honor uh, for me. Multiple Ninja Gaiden and Dead or Alive titles under Itagaki were Xbox exclusive, so the established relationship is already there. Itagaki resigned from Tecmo Koei in 2008 following the release of Ninja Gaiden 2 and filed a lawsuit against the company uh, and its president, Yoshima Yasuda, over unpaid bonuses. 
So this is a weird one because obviously, yes, the history is there. And I think it would be smart for Microsoft to be trying to get like another Ninja Gaiden or similar kind of game exclusive on Xbox again, like they used to in the in the olden days when Ninja Gaiden's one and two were Xbox games only. But I I don't know if you want this guy because you know the the last game he he worked on was Devil's Third, which is that Wii U exclusive that no one remembers that totally bombed and was apparently pretty mediocre, which he made with that studio Valhalla Studios, and he hasn't really done anything since. It's like. Yeah, I mean, people love those Ninja Gaiden games, but just because he made Ninja Gaiden games doesn't mean suddenly that, like, the guy knows what's up and knows how to make all the best games, and we can just forget about the last game he made that was total ass. So, you know, last time he left Koei Tecmo to make a studio, he made an ass game. So what makes us think that now that he's formed another new studio, he can just suddenly make a good game? This is a weird thing. I I don't think the answer here is that Microsoft needs to reach out to this guy and be like, yeah, we want to sign you and we want to get a game with you because frankly, this guy seems like a kind of a, kind of a wash up dick. There's a sexual harassment claims against him and stuff like that. And it just doesn't seem like he was the magic behind Ninja guy. And although I guess I could be wrong or he alone rather was the magic behind Ninja guy. I, I just feel like you don't need him to make another Ninja guiding game or similar. So I think it would be smart for Microsoft to try and get something like Ninja Gaiden back in the Xbox ecosystem exclusively, but I, I don't think you necessarily need this guy to do it. This this to me reads more like this guy's kind of desperate for some financing and, and some help and some partners, and so he's kind of like trying to sound cool and leverage his past experiences to get companies like Microsoft to notice him and notice his new studio um, but that doesn't necessarily translate to Microsoft should be interested, which I, I, I just don't know that they should be. So I, I'm kind of mixed on this on this story and this guy here, because on the one hand, it's like, should Microsoft go back and try to get like Ninja Guy or similar? Yeah. Should they go with this guy to do it? I, eh, I don't I don't really know. I don't really think so. But yeah, I mean, also just the, the fact that this guy, you know, has like sexual misconduct allegations against him and things like that. I just... I, I think it would be better for Microsoft just to not associate with this guy and maybe just to be like, yeah, fuck you, go find out your own thing. But that's just me. Um, that's going to do it for all of our news for this week, guys. Remember, we do always have our little quick important enough news stories, stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions. So we will fire those off real quick. First of all, the Lord of the Rings Gollum has been delayed to 2022. Uh, Nacon, the new publisher, announced via Twitter, confirming the company's involvement alongside with developer uh uh, Didelic, uh announcing the delay. Next up, IGN reports that Rare has announced that Sea of Thieves um, Season 1 will begin on Thursday, January 28th, uh, the day the show goes live. So Season 1 will bring new voyage types and mercantile alliance and marks the start of a new release style for the game with new content being added every three months alongside a new battle pass system that will offer rewards to those who play every, uh, sorry, even for shorter sessions. Next, THQ Nordic has announced that the long-awaited Biomutant will be released on May 25th this year. In a press release, THQ Nordic revealed that Biomutant will arrive on uh, previously confirmed platforms, PC and Xbox One, uh, but no mention was made of Series X or S versions of the game. Next, Windows Central reports that Clay Entertainment, the developer best known for the indie survival hit Don't Starve, has heeded a lot of offers over the years from publishers looking to invest. However, on Friday... Uh, founder Jamie Cheng announced that it's, uh, announced it finally found one in Tencent, the Chinese multimedia conglomerate. In a forum post, Cheng 
uh, Cheng, under his handheld Bigfoot, announced that Tencent had acquired a majority stake in the company, but that Clay uh, would be retaining full autonomy of creative and operative across operations across all aspects of the studio. Speaking of Tencent, in a press release this week, Don't Not Entertainment announced that it is receiving an investment from Tencent, the well-known mega conglomerate, in investment around 30 a million, whatever kind of dollar logo that is, or $37 million US, into Don't Nod Entertainment as part of a $48 million um, being raised by Don't Nod. Tencent receives a minority stake as a result of the cash influx with the operation of nominating a board member. So basically, no more Don't Nod for me. Uh, Tencent just getting their seedy, weird fingers into all of our favorite game companies. So that's concerning. And then finally, Windows Central reports that after years of waiting, the YouTube app for Xbox uh, supports HDR. First spotted on flat panels, HD, HDR support for YouTube app will help videos pop. HDR support should work on both older consoles like Xbox One, but also on new consoles like Series X and S. The YouTube app should switch its output to HDR automatically now when video supports it. And that's going to do it for all of our news for the week, guys. Let's quickly jump into our new game releases of the month. Uh, or the week rather this week there's a whopping 22 games so instead of taking the time to really go through each and every game i will uh, just blast through them because who the fuck has time for that many game releases at once so running through them cyber shadow is out now on game pass like i told you guys uh this is one of those stupid 8-bit indie games that you shouldn't play because it just looks stupid in 8-bit and indie uh dead cells fatal falls which is a dlc is now out I didn't know there's DLC for that game. The Sims 4 Paranormal Stuff Pack is like a Luigi's Mansion Sims knockoff thing. And then Butterfly looks like uh, Flappy Birds, but for butterflies, which look more like bees in this picture. Um, And then the Dark Eye Chains of of Sentinov. It looks like concept art. It doesn't look like a fucking game. It's just concept art, so that's stupid. The Dark Eyes Memoria. I guess there's another one here. There's a handful of them. Why is it just concept art? Uh, Did they forget to make the game? Is it just a a slideshow of concept art instead of a video game? Uh, Hyposphere Rebirth comes out January 27th. It looks like some really pretty graphics on some marble game or something like that in space, so there's that. Project Starship X, which is not a porno, it's just another Japanese game, is out on January 27th. And then Vera Blanc, Ghost in the Castle, comes out on January 27th. There's some Pope guy holding up a cross, so hopefully he's not slain by the devil. Next, we've got Golden Force, which is out January 28th. There's a giant-ass shark that's being slashed to death, so that's pretty cool. The Medium comes to Xbox Series X, S, and PC on January 28th via Game Pass, and it is, of course, next-gen optimized, which is the only console it's on, so I don't understand how that makes sense. But looking forward to this game. Obviously, you know this game, The Medium. It is about a person who goes to a steakhouse, and the server says, how would you like your steak cooked? And they say, I would like a medium and then when the steak comes out to the table, the server goes, here is your ribeye. It is cooked medium, but I must warn you, it cannot run on an Xbox One, so you best put the steak all over your Series X, and the player begins to do so. Next, we've got Olija, Oliha, which is coming January 8th. This is fuck 8-bit. This is 6-bit, because fuck you. And then Royal Tower Defense comes January 28th. This is like if you ever wanted to play a bad tower defense game looks like one of those like old paintings from like the medieval people plus deviant art so that's weird and then swords of the necromancer comes out january 28th it's pretty 
pretty dumb name. Uh, Tohu comes out on January 28th. It's uh, one of those indie games. And then the Yakuza Remastered Collection comes to console and PC on January 28th. This is everything we've been waiting for and more, guys. What can I say? Stop everything you're doing. Play the Yakuza game. Start with Yakuza 0. Tell me you didn't cry at the end when you learned all about Majima's story. Tell me you didn't fucking... Tell me you are still a fucking man if you didn't cry at that goddamn story. You you fucking wimp. Another Dawn comes out January 29th. Xbox Series X and S optimized. Smart delivery. Looks like Far Cry 1. What's up with that? Bonkies comes out January 29th. I'm bonkers for bonkies. I'm bonkers for not playing it. Uh, Caves and Castles Underworld. Looks like Bejeweled. Why are you playing that iPhone game? Crashlands comes out January 29th. Literally looks like a graveyard with an alien. That's stupid. Next out, gods will fall. That's probably true. I'm sure at some point every god will trip and fall if they forget to tie their shoes. And then lastly, Rack and Ruin comes out January 29th. This is Xbox One X Enhanced. So fuck you, Xbox Series X owners. Only the One X owners get the enhancement. And the enhancement is that uh, maybe the graphics don't look like shit because this clip art is, is wack, yo. And that's going to do it for all the new games coming out this week, guys. Lastly, as a reminder, we got our games of gold um, for the month of January. You can still get Little Nightmares until the, la- the last day of the month. You can still get Dead Rising until February 15th. And you can still get Breakdown until the last of- day of the month. So definitely download those, especially Breakdown. This month was a pretty good lineup. But if you want to know what a really great lineup is, Microsoft has already released or announced the February Games of Gold lineup. And I think this decision was made with the notion that they were going to try to bump up the price of gold because for the first time, they've got five games instead of four for Games of Gold. And it's a really, really great lineup. In fact, this is probably the best lineup I've seen in a in a year or two. Like, this is a phenomenal lineup for February. So let's go over it. Gears 5 leads, leads the month, you know, being available. All of February, you get Gears 5, Fucking phenomenal game. Of course, you already have that with Game Pass, but amazing game. So Gears 5. Resident Evil, a a remake of the first Resident Evil is available for the whole month. So go ahead and download that. Also a really good deal. Dandara Trials of of Fear Edition. This is the only one I haven't ever heard of. That's available from February 16th through March 15th. Uh, That's fine. And then Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, which is an Xbox original game now made backwards compatible. Can't wait to play that, actually. Available February 1st through 15th. I'm, I'm actually definitely really getting into that for sure. And obviously, that's that was released to capitalize on the hype and coincide with the announcement of the Bethesda deal here. And then lastly, Lost Planet 2 uh, comes out February 16th and is available through March 18th. Uh, another great game, an Xbox 360 backwards compatible game that I'm... I actually would really love to play Lost Planet again. I only played the first one, but I really enjoyed Lost Planet. Never finished it, and it's a series I'd actually wish would kind of come back. So really great lineup. I'd say four really strong games and one that I can't speak to because I don't know anything about it. But five games total and four of the games are really, really strong contenders. Like, man, that's a that's a great lineup. Clearly, this is this was supposed to be like one of the perks of Xbox Live's price going up, but it's cool that we kind of get the perk without having the price go up. So more value for our, us hardcore gamers. So that's gonna do it for our podcast this week, guys. We're just shy of two hours, of course. Uh, but now let's let's play out with a little song, a little lullaby, if you will. And until next week, guys, uh, gamers, power your dreams. <laughs>